Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Immortals Beyond the Illusion podcast. Thank you for tuning in again. Um, And uh, thank you for all our new listeners. If you are a first-time listener, um, Beyond the Illusion podcast is a forum where we openly and authentically discuss our experiences in living as a spirit here in human form and what that means to each and every one of us. It's going to be something different. So we are here to hear everyone's input and comments and perspectives, and we'd love to share um, some of the things that you're experiencing, because we're certainly going to share ours. Um, This is truly an education that you will not get anywhere else. Today's topic, yes, we were playing Soul Train. Um, I bet you didn't realize that that song was metaphysical, but we are, well, we are dancing here, um, and hopefully you're dancing in there in your living room. But we are um, talking about soulmates, soul family, soul clans, um, and how that all, what that means to each and every one of us because everybody has a different idea of what soulmates is. So we're going to specifically talk about um, our viewpoints and our perspective on that. And um, I am Nikki, your host, and I am joined here, my co-host, Sean, say hello. Hello. And on the panel, we also have Brandon. Say hello. 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 And I think on our panel, we also have Candice. Are you there? We also have Keithan as well. All right, so anybody who wants to call in, our call-in number is 347-51, let me start over again, 347-215-8639, and you are also welcome to email us anytime during or after the show. Um, at you are immortal too. So that's the letter U, letter R, 
immortal number two at gmail dot com. All right, so let's go ahead and get started. So we're talking about snow soulmates, snow clans, soul families. Um, I just want to start out with saying most of the time when you hear soulmate, it is coming from someone who is saying, I'm looking for my soulmate. I'm waiting for the one to come into my life. And that is a very, very small definition of what soulmate is. But soulmates could be anyone. Soulmates could be people in your family, friends, the lady you stand behind in the grocery store, your boss. Um, basically what soulmates are are people who you have any type of relationship with and they are here to show you or teach you something about yourself. Uh, so that's really the topic. So a lot of times we think, is it a coincidence that we know people? How do we end up in the same family with certain people? How do we end up with certain friends? Sometimes you meet people and you have an instant connection and you think, you know, you're supposed to be in my life. Sometimes we have an um, instant repulsion to someone and you think, why do I have that person in my life? Well, those people are your soulmates too. Um, so we're going to discuss that and go a little more into uh, what that means and how that has looked in everyone's life and existence and what we should be paying attention to and how all of that and how everyone in our lives is here to teach us something. Um, so for right now, I'm going to turn it over to Sean. You want to go ahead and um, get us started? Get us started. Talk specifically about, um, did you want to start with the, the intro with the exognosis and internosis? <laughs> right. Exonosis. <laughs> Can I say that correctly? <laughs> hey, look, I just coined the phrase exonosis <laughs> and internosis. Exonosis being, you know, now we find ourselves what we consider to be in the most technological advanced age of our time, you know, and everybody thinks that we have all these modern advancements, and these advancements are, you know, the apex of mankind. We have cell phones and iPads and all these tablets and laptops and those things. But what those things pretty much symbolize is an exoskeleton, kind of like an insect whose whose, whose, uh, skeleton is on the outside of them, and it kind of prohibits their growth. They can't grow any more than the skeleton that they have. The gnosis that we now find ourselves in, in terms of having all our technologies and all the things that we were able to do from an organic perspective and all of the the advances that we were once able to do in terms of telekinesis, in terms of understanding how to move energy and using sound to move energy, all of those things are now outside of us. And as we declined and fell, we lost a sense of who we were in terms of our knowing our incarnations and our soul mates and our soul families and the people that the packs that we travel with and the agreements that we make when we come here. You know, we now function from the reality that all of, all of our intelligence comes from the outside in as opposed to the inside out. And we find ourselves 
at an atrophied state where we have no idea what soulmates are, who the people are that we've been traveling with throughout time and space. You know, we we have amnesia, if you will. Yeah, it, even if you think about just in smaller terms with the technology in the last 10 years or so um, and what we've lost, how many, I don't even know, how long did it take me to memorize my husband's phone number, <laughs> which I should know, yes. just because uh-huh. I know where to get it. There are all kinds of information that we don't even bother exercising our brain with or storing in our brain because, well, we can get it. We don't have to worry about um, getting directions because it's that math quest. We don't have to worry about phone numbers. We don't have to worry about organizing. We have all of these technologies that we depend on. But just think about if we lost power, if we lost electricity tomorrow or the food trucks weren't able to get to the stores, it would be mass chaos because we don't know how, how long would you last if you had to take care of yourself. And if you think back thousands and thousands of years when people were dependent on nature, when they were that close to what they truly are, uh, all the things that we have to worry about that we are consumed by every day um, that have nothing to do with real life. It's our, you know, if we lose these things, we feel disconnected. If we lose our phone, if the cable's not working, if the lights aren't on, if traffic is backed up, um, all of these artificial things that we depend on to determine whether we are going to have a good day or a bad day. And it completely removes us from what we truly are. So if we ever have to get back to, we're so far removed that we we actually look at societies that are living close to nature as primitive. Right. Um, when right. they're the ones who are actually more advanced because they're using Absolutely. their more, more of their brain, um, their senses are heightened, um, they're more aware, they know exactly what's, what's going on, they're more content. Um, they're less stressed out, they live longer, they have less disease, um, all the things that contribute to modern society that we think help us are actually hurting us um, and getting us away from what we are here for. And one of those things is paying attention to the people that are in our lives and what they're there for and how they how they got there and why they are in our lives. And everyone is there. Everything has a purpose, um, especially the people in our lives. Um, And that's one of the things that we really should get back to because, you know, sooner or later we we need to get away from all of the technology and the quote-unquote advances of society so that we can get back to what is really who we truly are. And those are the people in our lives that are there to remind us of, of what that is. Absolutely. That's pretty much what, you know, we're going to probably discuss later, but that's what this shift represents. That's what this shift is. It's a return to that gnosis. It's a return. It's a restoration of that junk DNA that's lying dormant within us. You know, it's a, it's a return to the inner, to inner core. It's a return to that organic organic way of being and thinking. You know, all of the 
outside influences and the outside gnosis, it has to give way to what once was, you know, and that's what the cycles are. That's what the, the aeons represent, you know, and, and just like the seasons, the four seasons of the year, spring, summer, winter, and fall, they all have the turn, you know, and the turn of that cycle in which we were able to function from a higher capacity within is now coming back. You know, everything is starting to warm back up. Just like in the springtime, in the wintertime when the trees and stuff lie dormant and everything is cold and no leaves on the trees, then when spring rolls around and the sun starts to heat up again, you know, the sun is doing that very thing, literally. It's vibrating faster. The earth is vibrating. We're waking back up. And, you know, the things that we once observed, the things that we once did from an organic capacity are returning you know, and you can feel those people who can feel that shift and, and, and you can feel things inside of you waking up and some awarenesses that, that you didn't have even this time last year are now returning to you, you know. And, again, as we begin to understand and discuss soul family and soul ties and reincarnations, these things are coming back to us. That season is coming around again. So, you know, we won't have to speculate or guess or ask anybody else. When we're in tune with what's going on, those things come to us. They come, they they awaken again, if you will. You mean the world's not going to end on the 21st? <laughs> no, no. Maybe for some people, but no. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the world as we know it. Um, yeah, for some yeah, for some people, I guess it probably will. Um, but yeah, basically we're at the end of a cycle, um, the whole binary sun system where the twenty six thousand year cycle. That's what the Mayans were talking about. Not the end of the world. Um, but the end of an, Can I can I make a clarification while we're here? And we keep sure. talking about the Mayans. Hello? Uh-huh. Hello. Wasn't the Mayans, the Olmecs, who were the Egyptians? Wasn't the Mayans? I just wanted to throw that. I just wanted to throw that in there. The Egyptians talked about yeah. The Egyptians talked about the 26-year cycle, but in everyone's mind right now, because of the the calendar, which some people say is not even a Mayan calendar, it's an Aztec calendar, um, ended at the end of the cycle, but there. Their quote unquote prediction was preceded by the Egyptians. Um, anyone else have anything to add before we move on about 2012 or about the shift or um, anything we mentioned about the technologies or anything before we move on? Any other comments? Not at this point. Okay. Okay. Comment? Comment? Hello? Did you say you had a comment? No, he said not at this time. Okay. Okay, so let's talk about, do we want to talk anything more about the 2012? Okay, let's talk about... I'm sure we'll back to it yeah, and then it'll all be, if you want to come back, this is all going to be intertwined. Right. Um, but let's talk a little bit about 
um, you know, souls and soulmates. And a lot of this is going to be, depending on, this will be a little bit challenging for listeners out there who have not really thought about um, life before we got to this planet or life after we leave this planet. Um, or if you are not really keen on the idea of reincarnation, which is a lot of this is what a lot of this comes from. But, you know, many of the souls that we encounter here on this planet are souls that we have encountered um, in other lifetimes, and lifetimes after lifetimes after lifetimes, and they have played different roles in your life depending on, um, you know, what they had to teach you at that time. So it could very well be that someone in your life, like your mother, who is your mother right now, could have been your child in another life or could have been your, you know, mother-in-law or best friend, depending on what they had to teach you. And we also, when we travel from lifetime to lifetime to lifetime, you know, all energy is, um, you know, masculine and feminine. Um, But that does not necessarily mean, you can be masculine, the whole masculine feminine thing means if you were a man in this life, you could have been a woman in another life or, um, you know, any race, color, anywhere else, anything else, um, and anything across time. We tend to think of time as linear, but time, just like we were talking about the whole binary sun system, it's, you know, cyclical, so it's more of a circle. It's more of a there's really no kind of beginning or ending. We kind of think of things as linear. So time in that instance is a lot different. So when we think of lifetime after lifetime after lifetime, um, a lot of those could be happening together or separate or, you know, what we would consider the past might not be the past because everything is happening um, in a cycle. So you are able to see, depending on your soul relationship, sometimes there's a lot, there's growth in one lifetime and not as much growth in another lifetime. And we really could, when you hear a lot of people, and you hear people say, oh, that child has an old soul because he's, you know, he's wise beyond his years. And that might be true. That soul might have lived thousands of lifetimes. And then they might encounter some souls that are younger um, and haven't had as much experience. I'm a new soul, I can see the strength. Keep going. I love that song. (laughs) (laughs) But I want to talk about, like, some of the things that you might recognize with someone who might have an older soul and someone that might have a newer soul. Now, the kind of crazy thing about this is if you think about parents, I know we've been talking about parents the last couple of episodes, but sometimes haven't you encountered not necessarily any, you know, your your parents, but it could be someone's parent. If you think about your parents, it is possible for you to have an older soul than your parents, just because your chronological age on the planet oh, is one thing, has nothing to do with the soul of your parents, which might explain a lot of, Decisions or choices or behaviors. Um, you think about people who, um, you know, don't have a lot of 
maybe common sense or are not very wise or not good at making decisions? Or what are some things that you think would indicate someone being a younger soul? Well, rather than the more uh, um, This is Keith, and I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm dying to talk about this. <laughs> because <laughs> because um, I realized that um, with my mother, you know, I, I, I struggle a lot with me and my mother's relationship and, and really understanding the relationship. And I'm actually getting a lot of bells going off with this whole conversation. And um, I find myself having to teach a lot, and I feel that, you know, like I'm older in a lot of, you know, um, aspects as far as our relationship is concerned, and I guess I still don't understand that because, um, you know, I guess with the conditioned way of how it's supposed to be, I'm fixed on, you know, she's supposed to be teaching me versus me teaching her, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's kind of weird, so... I mean, that's all I can say about that now. So it, it's, I'm still trying to make sense of it. But, well, you know, I, w- I would like to expand on that. Right. Well, I mean, if you really think about it, from the moment you from the moment you take your first breath, you're teaching your parents. You're teaching your parents how to be parents. You know, I mean, our four-year-old now lets us know when he wants something. You know, and we jump. You know, he knows how to cry to solicit exactly what he wants. They train you. But that's another story. Most of the time, when you make an agreement to come here, again, we make various agreements back and forth with the same pack that we come in and out of these incarnations with. And I'm kind of facing the same thing with my parents. And I I, I learned not so long ago that I have, on, on many levels, evolved past my parents in this incarnation. You know, and that could have been an agreement that we had coming back through, you know. But it's it's very apparent that my level of development and growth is in terms of understanding what this whole thing is and how I fit into the all, you know, is is far surpassed them at this point. You know, and it kind of dovetails into what we've been talking about in terms of parenting, you know. That's why I was in, in the earlier episode talking about the uh, the esteem value tied to being a parent, it it really has no merit because again that 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 capacity is interchangeable. You know, we take turns at that, and sometimes yeah. being the kid, you're still the parent. You know, you yeah. find yourself yeah. <laughs> in 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 many ways being the parent. You know, I often I told my father one time I think I heard his feelings. I'm like, I feel like I'm your dad now. You know, and he he kind of conceded to it, but you can kind of see in his face where he, you know, it, it kind of hurt his feelings. And I wasn't trying to hurt his feelings at the time, but it was just a revelation. And, and when I got it, it just came out of my mouth before I even thought about it, you know. And we find ourselves, you know, age, you know, the more you begin to uncover about this thing, the more you realize that age has nothing to do with it. Age means nothing. You know, this this incarnation here is just one amongst many. So age has absolutely nothing to do with it at all. That's good to know because that makes a total, and that makes a lot of sense, you know, to understand that. But a lot of people don't get that, though. No, they don't. No. Well, no, a lot of people don't. A lot of people, 
again, may have made the contract before coming back into this incarnation that they didn't want to, you know. But you have to understand that anybody with a soul absolutely knows what's going on. There's a part of them that knows what's going on here and what has, go- and what has gone on with each subsequent incarnation. They know the whole story. The person that we're addressing at this particular time is just an aspect of self that's here. There's another aspect of self that's not here, that's fully aware of what's going on. And as long as you keep that in perspective, it it makes it a little bit more easy to swallow. You know what I'm saying? This is a game. This is a stage. This is a theatrical play. We're like that movie Avatar. The real us is up in a pod somewhere, and we're acting out these roles within our lives to gain certain experiences from them. Right, so that goes to the question of, you know, do we pick our parents? Absolutely. Um, and we pick our parents in order to, you know, depending on the lessons that we plan that we need to learn in order to advance our spirit before we get here. Um, and you know, the first thing that people think of is, you know, why would people pick parents who don't love them or abuse them or, you know, are mean to them or why would you pick unhappy? Why would people pick unhappy situations. Um, But again, if we don't know the whole story, because we only have a small one, we agree to come down here, there are a lot of things that we, well, we also agree that we are going to forget because we need to learn and evolve and know what it means to be human. So we don't have the whole picture. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And everything comes, everything is a lesson. Right. Close your eyes, 
meditate on it, the answer will come to you. There's nothing outside of you that can teach you what you already know. Nothing. Not a book, not an author, not a teacher, not a guru, no one. I agree with that. Um, I guess it's just like, for me, like, there are certain lessons that I have taught my parents and vice versa. Um, but just like the the whole lesson thing, I understand that part. I'm, what I'm just more wanting to understand is us choosing our parents and, and, and us signing up for the life. And I just, and that's the part that I'm just kind of like, okay, um, I do believe that we do have to, you know, recycle and come back if we don't get it and we have to come back again until we get it. If we don't do it right, then we have to come back and do it again. So, like, I, I understand that, but it's just so far as the uh, the agreement. Um, so I will take what you said and I will try that and see what I come up with. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. I, I and you, and what, what, you I, want, what, you, what you'll discover is that everybody that comes into your life at a significant capacity, always has. You know, I mean, that's how when you run into somebody, you feel such a a, a a synchronicity with that person. Sometimes you feel like I know you from somewhere, or you're so familiar okay. to me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's because you travel with this person, and your experiences are limited to these particular groups of people. You know, you walk past people in the grocery store and you'll see them once and you'll never see them again. Who knows if that person is even real? You know what I'm saying? But the people that are in your life at a significant capacity are people that you have always done this with and you've okay. always had exchanges with. You may have been on one end. You may have been an antagonist or a protagonist in their life. They may have been a, okay. an antagonist or a protagonist in your life. You know, but all of these, it's like a carousel, and we all agree to experience various things. When we come back in here, you know, based on the outside agree- agreements that we make prior or contracts that we make prior to coming back into these incarnations. I will say that um, a lot of it comes with the whole idea of if you've, if you've looked into or studied any of the Eastern religions, um, but basically when it talks about, you know, karma and spiritual, spiritual mm-hmm. contracts kind of all go together. Um so the Eastern religions, Hinduism, um, some of the other India-based religions do talk about the spiritual contracts and the karma. You want to look into that. Um, you know, karmic agreements and karmic contracts and God contracts and spiritual contracts and worldly contracts. They're all kind of the same, kind of the same idea of what your soul agenda is. And okay the commitments and the agreements that kind of go along with that, um, with the self and the spirit. So um, a lot of the Eastern religions do kind of go into that. But, you know, a lot of that, a lot of that, like uh, Sean was talking about, is more of the getting in touch with your, you know, higher self and your inner being, and it's right. not necessarily written down. Um, right. And a lot of our, you know, the Western religions, of course, don't think of ourselves as any type of co-creator at all. It's just God and it's us. So a lot of people um, have not explored it long enough to be able to gather enough information 
to write it down and it be concrete enough for people to um, necessarily. And that's why we want books. People want to, I want to read it in a book because I need something concrete, something tangible. Um, we haven't. I think when people start to develop um, and adopt these concepts into their mind, it's beyond the whole um, book education. It's more of, you know, it's more of the non-physical, beyond physical knowing, knowing. rather right. than believing. Right. And I think that's why there's probably not a lot of information right. about right. there that you can, you know, open up a book and read um, right. because of those reasons. Right. And and again, that's just kind of what, what this shift uh, uh, represents. It, it's a coming back together. You know, there was a time, like I stated in the earlier show, when we knew, when we when we reincarnated, we knew where we left off at. That's how all of the advances that were made were able to be made. All of those observances came over thousand years, thousands of Earth years of observation. You know, it wasn't just one lifetime. There were many lifetimes. And our DNA was intact and such that when we came back, we knew exactly where we were prior. And prior to that, and prior to that, and prior to that, you know. Now we're only functioning from 3%, where they're saying 97% is junk. That's being reassembled to where we're able to, once again, remember where we were, where we are now. Just like at the mall, at the little kiosk, you are here. You know, you'll be able to know where you are, where you were, and where you're going. You know, that's what this represents. It's no longer a thing where we have to look outside of ourselves for validation or understanding. That's what made all of those great civilizations prior to ours so great. They didn't have to look outside. They explained outside from within, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and they also didn't write a lot of stuff down. That was um, all the right. the Egyptians, when they started writing stuff down, because they knew it was the end of their they were declining. cycle, and they had to start writing stuff down just so it wouldn't be forgotten. But they, exactly. they depended on themselves and their mind and their knowledge, and they didn't have, need to write stuff down. They wrote stuff down for us because they knew right. that we were right. on they knew that we were the, down, decline. the downward curve. Right. Yep. Yep. That's why they wrote all that stuff in stone. But prior to that, they didn't write anything. They just remembered from each, again, each incarnation from from one to the next. And most of the stuff that they passed along was, you know, word of mouth. You know, they didn't have to write anything down. They retained everything. You know, and I, I think that's the most exciting part about this whole thing. <laughs> we no longer have to. We're moving out of the age of belief into the age of knowing, you know, and it it becomes harder for someone to control you if you know versus hanging on someone else's word that will lead you in the way that they want you to go. You know, that's how we found ourselves in the positions that we're all in now, that you have just a few that are holding these secrets that we're talking about on the phone and using it against the masses, you know, when everyone or most people start to wake up, you no longer can use those things against them. Because you have a clear knowing as opposed to just blindly believing someone is telling you the truth. Okay, so we had mentioned, I think, Sean, you had mentioned before, like when you meet someone and there's like an instant 
chemistry or instant friendship or attraction? Does that mean that that person is a soulmate? Does that necessarily mean that you were together in some kind of past life? I mean, it could mean that. that. It could mean it could mean you know that that person was somewhat uh, close to you, and close to you doesn't necessarily have to mean that that person was the love of your life, or that person was, you know, uh, uh, your son or daughter. That person could have very well been the person that took your life, you know. But again, all of this is roles. We're all playing roles down here. So when you run into someone and you find that particular chemistry with that person that you feel familiar or that, that kismet feeling that that person has been in your life before, you know, I, I think our emotions kind of dictate or let us know whether or not that person has been in our life, you know, at a good or bad capacity, I guess. Because, you know, I, I've gotten feelings about people who, you know, like there's just, just something not right about that person, you know. And I don't know. You know, if that's indicative of the fact that that person may have harmed me in a previous life. But I do know that people that we find a certain kindredness to or kindred, kindredness, I'm going to use that word, <laughs> kindredness to toward are people that have always been in our circle, have always been in our spiral. You know, we tend, like you said earlier, to think about time as if it's a straight linear line, but it's a circle, it's a spiral. It continues to go around and around and around. And within that spiral are very similar dynamics with the same people. So having said that, yes, those people that you do run into at an intimate capacity capacity are people or the people that you do run into that you feel closely, you know, a close feeling about are people that you have always been connected to. And people that you will run across again. If you notice, when you do run into those type of people, it's not just for a fleeting moment and then you go on about your business. There's always something significant within that relationship or that dynamic that shows you a little bit more about yourself. It's just not a, hey, how you doing, and keep it going. There's <laughs> always something in that relationship that lends to a revealing of who you are because we're all mirrors for one another. And we're all showing ourselves us, you know. And right. as we continue to do this carousel thing, those people that keep popping up, again, they're showing us us from this perspective. They're showing us us from that perspective. But, again, they are the same people over and over right. again. Which brings to mind, which I'm always trying to trying to figure out or I always have trouble with is, the people who, like, antagonize me the most, the people who, like, irritate the hell out of me. And I think <laughs> there obviously is something about me that I'm seeing in this person that I need to figure out or solve or, um, or work out. But, you know, this person is being a mirror of me, so why is this person irritating me so much? Um, and I think we've all had that experience. And I recently heard a story from Deepak Chopra, which is nice to hear that he has the same experiences, too. He's human, just like the rest of us. But he said that there was some lady, he was giving a talk, and there was this one lady who was in the audience, and she was like, I need to talk to you right now. He's like, I'm in the middle of a talk. I can't talk to you. And so she just completely goes ballistic on him. And he starts thinking all of these, you know, not nice things about her. 
And so he goes and he writes them all down, all the things that he didn't like about this woman, and he goes and asks his wife, you know, do you see any of these characteristics in me? And she doesn't say anything. So then he goes and asks his manager, and the manager doesn't say anything either. And so he looks at it and he's like, at one time or another, I've been all of these things. So that's something that's unsettled in him, that she showed something in him that otherwise he would not have been able to see in himself. So when there are people who irritate me, at one time or another, I've been that same irritation for somebody else. And that's something that I need to. Everybody is a mirror, or everybody has something to tell, something to teach you about yourself. Um, vibrationally, you bring those people into your life for a reason. So the whole law of attraction on that note is vibrationally something that you sent out, so whatever irritation that you sent out, it is coming back to you um, through that person to show you what you put out there. Right. Read this Right. Okay. So we have a, uh, a caller. It has a question. Let me see who this is. Um, hey, caller from area code seven eight zero. Hey there. Who's on the line? What's up, Jake? Calling. How's it going? Hi, Jake. Where are you calling? Jay. From? My name's Jay. Jay. Sorry. Jay. Um, oh, hi, Jay. Jay, you hung oh, up on. <laughs> this is the same Jay I hung up on, Jay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jay. Before I go on, are you listening on the phone? Yes. Or are you on your computer? So. After, if you want to have involved in our discussion, do you want to stay on the line? Yeah, sure. Um, okay. Interesting conversation you're talking about, about 2012, the shifts and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's. Uh, huh. I wonder what the, we're supposed to be doing on this 2012 and beyond. I think it's. Is it? You know, it seems like when we get into when we open up to our own soul consciousness, is that. Um, I think a, a can of worms get opened up too is that our soul group that has been traveling us for us to do some sort of healing or whatever or conclude our you know, relationships and move on and things like that, you know, it, it gets a little bit crowded, I think, <laughs> sometimes because right? yeah. we haven't done it in previous last times because we didn't know what to do about it. We didn't know not knowledge about, oh, yeah, you have a soul group that you have on this earth with you, you know, they're going to be around you in your lifetime. We have never been really been taught about that, eh? Maybe through maybe Eastern philosophy, they've been taught about that. But uh, most of the modern Western society has been taught, you know, you only live once and your only soul goes, is, is only one one lifetime. But I just feel that uh, it's almost like a lot of people are maybe leaving this earth early is that uh, they had too much work to do and they just want to go home. <laughs> so right. My feelings on it right now. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you know, the, our our soul group. The I mean, there there it seems that there are people who have different philosophies. So there are you know our soul groups can be, you know, made up of you know large, very large groups. Um, they can be soul clans, soul nations. There are you know lots of souls depending on. Um, and I think depending on what your purpose is or what your main point in coming to the planet is some people are here for a very long time and some people are not here for a, a very long time at all. Um, and then we're probably here under different capacities because 
vibrationally or energetically, there are some people who are much more present and much right. more earthly than other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so not everyone is here under the same capacity. So right. I think that that in, in at one time you might have been here under a different capacity than some than at another time. But just like, and that kind of brings in what what has happened today in the news with the school shootings and the the incident in China. Um, you know, if we know that people, well, there's no death because we're just here in the physical world for a little while, and then we go back to the non-physical world in which we came. If no birth is an accident, then do we assume the same that no deaths are an accident? So although we are very, and I don't want to make light of the situation at all whatsoever, um, but if we're just thinking about how things happen and there are people who do agree to be here in a very short amount of time, and yes, those people being yanked out of our lives and the connection that we have with them is an extreme loss. Um, but does it change the way that you feel or the way that you process what has happened if you know that those people are not really gone, they've just changed form? No. No, not at all. I mean, you're 100, like, like we discussed, you're 100% human and you're 100% spirit, you know. But I do think that there's a balance in which you keep it into proper perspective. I think, again, going back to when we were connected and we did know much more than we know now, we celebrated death. We celebrated death as the idea that the person who moved out of this reality was moving on to a stronger reality, you know, moving on or getting another chance to advance to another reality. You know, we kind of mourned birth and celebrated death in in that regard. You know, and it's a hard pill to swallow, especially growing up in Western philosophy and Western society where we're taught that everything is so temporal, everything is so limited, and when you die, it's over. Even when you gain some sense of higher understanding or spirituality or consciousness, you still wrestle with the idea that death means death, you know, death means death. And, again, that's part of our, quote-unquote, sin or ignorance, those who are you know, interchangeable. Sin is ignorance. Our ignorance being that we don't understand what we no longer understand what happens to us when we die. We no no longer understand what a mentor is or the do what is. We think that this is it. And when we leave here, oh woe is them. They're gone. We don't know where they are. And it's a sad tra- travesty that they left this way. But again, when you're outside of your body. And anybody who has had who has had out of body experiences can tell you that there is no sense of loss or despair or sadness or any of that. <laughs> so you know, again, as you mourn for those people who lost their children, I think the sadness comes from the people that are still here, as opposed to the people that are gone. They're gone, you know, and maybe some of them are on their way back as we speak. But the ones who are left here with a limited level of understanding who have to deal with that grief and pain, I think that's what show that's where all of the sadness comes in. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the sadness comes in because it's almost like, um, you know, it's it's a it's a physical, and I don't want to use the, lack of a better term. It's almost like it's a physical addiction. So when something in that addiction, when that when that entity is right. removed from your life, and right. you have to make that adjustment, that right. adjustment is almost like withdrawal symptoms, and you have to. Uh, you know, get get used to, you know, balancing everything else in your life right. without this entity in its present state. Absolutely. But it's a matter, I think it's a matter of shifting, thinking that, okay, this person, this entity is still here, it's just not here physically. Right. Um, and getting, through, getting to that and that, and it's not sad, it's not as if this, this entity has did not have a chance. You know, especially when children die, we think he didn't even have a chance to live, or he didn't even get to start his life yet, or he doesn't even, you know, he just got started. That was his life. Right. That was it. If someone um, leaves this earth, what we would consider early or young, that was his experience. Right. That was it. So it's not short. It's not long. That's what it was. It is that right. experience. Right. Um, right. I think the lesson, though, and, and it's a hard lesson to get. The lesson, though, is to learn balance and not to stay within. When you get to the point where you behold yourself to something that is that temporal, that is on its way out of your life, you're already switching or shifting to the polarity that you're destined to experience on the other side. For example, when you have a have a have a child and you have that euphoric feeling of love and awe and you know this is the best thing in the world you're absolutely signing on for the opposite of that you understand what i'm saying you have the every, everything in the universe is seeking balance or neutrality so when you play the law of opposites to that degree you're you're going to invariably feel both sides of that coin you know, and I think the tricky thing about being a human is to learn the balance of staying in the middle, of not becoming too attached and not becoming, you know, not attached enough. It's being in the middle that you're able to deal with with things like this. Because, again, when you set yourself up, when you tie yourself down to something, you're signing on for both sides of that coin. If that makes any sense. Well, exactly, because um, you know, anytime it's that whole attachment thing. Um, but anytime you you again attach to anything impermanent, which is almost everything, um, you're kind of setting yourself up to be let down. Because as soon as this enters your life, it's on its way out of your life. Um, that can be a person, a cell phone, um, you know, anything. And then we go through this whole, I mean, just think about when you first get a, a new car and the first time you get a, the first ding on your new car, you are just so upset and so disappointed and so mad that, you know, somebody dinged your car in the parking lot. And, and that is because of that attachment. When you know, when you get the car, that sooner or later it's going to have a ding. And that's about, the, be that's, car. you know, about balance. Right. right. In your Right. 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 And absolutely, life is absolutely going to be death. 
regardless. When you alive, when you when you take on life in this third dimension reality, you're also taking on death. That's the only thing that is absolute in this reality. So, you know, again, when you when you accept that one end of the polarity, you also accept the other end of the polarity. You know, if they they come together, they're mutually they're the same thing. They're the same thing. Exactly. Um, but, you know, the beauty of this whole conversation is it's not just that. People who are on this phone and hopefully people who are listening absolutely know that this is not the sum total of us. This is not all that we are. And I think the right. difference between those people who are gaining the sense of awareness and ascending out of the, into the higher understanding know that this is just, you know, an act, a game, a stage, and there's another side to this thing. And I think the more you begin to embrace that and understand that and know that, the less gravity that things on this plane in this time and space have on you. Right. Um, and that kind of think, it makes me think about a conversation and something that um, you know one of our regular panelists who's not with us Tonight, that um, what Danielle was saying before about, you know, thinking beyond just this experience as this is all you have. Um, you know, if you think about whatever your your religious background is, if you you know believe in God, or if you're you know you're Christian and you've been going to church and you think about, I have to do all of these things and do everything on earth correctly so that when I die, I can rejoin God and go to heaven. And it, if eternity is forever and there's no beginning and there's no ending, then that means that you were somewhere before you were born too. So if you spent the first half of eternity with God and he sent you here and you were here for, you know, 10 years, 30 years, 80 years, and somewhere along the line, you messed up, and now he's going to say, oh, sorry. I know we were together, and I love you, and I know we were together for the first half of eternity, but now I'm going to have to be separate with you forever because you messed up during those 80 years. It doesn't make a lot of sense. No, you have to think all. that, you have to think that, you know, if eternity <laughs> is eternity and it's, you know, forever, why would you be accountable for such a small, I mean, that's just a small blip in the radar that that is going to determine where you're going to spend the rest of eternity. So you know, there has with, to God. be chances you're to learn. You're spending with God because, they, they, you know, they say that God is the all. God is everything. God is the all. So if God is the all, there is no separation. So if you want to subscribe to the idea of heaven and hell, God is in hell too. Because if he's everything, he's everything. If he's not everything, if he's not the all, if he's not in heaven, I mean, if he's not in hell or if he's not with you, then he's not everything. Exactly. I, don't, I right. never can understand Can you be that. everything and not have everything? Right. Exactly. How can you be can the you all be everything and, not have and there everything. are things outside of you? There's a disconnect. We've disconnected from God, so, okay, we're outside of the all. There's a hell that's outside of the all. Then he's not the all, then. 
He be either all or he isn't. But you know, it's just simple things like that. When you sit down and think about them, it's like, wow, well, hold on, hold on, this is a mind fuck. Something ain't right here. If you're all of everything, then you're all of everything. The good, the bad, the ugly, everything. Or you're right. not the all. Period. Right. Right. That has always Either been, you know. Okay. It's an absolute. Either you are yeah. or you're not. You're not. You either are or you ain't. So you can't be separate because you're no. not separate. No. So it's the... No. No. So it's still all God. It's still all right. us. Regardless. I don't care how you slice it. It's still all the same thing. Be all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Does anybody else have anything to add? We're just kind of talking, but there's several people on the on the panel. Anybody else have anything to add? I'm actually just listening right now. This is Brandon. We're in sleep. (laughs) I'm actually just taking all this in. (laughs) Okay. Um, So if there is no, okay, so we just discussed picking your parents. Um, The purpose of picking your parents. Um, So you essentially, it's not just your parents. You're picking everyone. So you have a contract with everyone. So. It's not only your parents who you have to sit and wonder, okay, well, why would someone pick these parents or why why the heck would I do that to myself? Um, but also, you know, friend, when you think about people who you have had a very tumultuous relationship with or someone who has caused you lots of, you know, grief or pain in your life, are those people, you pick those people too? Are those people part of those spiritual contracts too? Or is that something separate? Do they come in separate with, you know, your vibrational? I think we I don't think those people personify those particular actions. I think we want to, you, it's almost like, okay, if you're standing in line at a buffet or at a cafeteria and you have experiences that are sitting in the trays and you're saying, I want some of those green beans, which is heartache. I want some of that banana pudding, which is, uh, uh, euphoria. I want some of that yucky-looking blue stuff there, which is uh, I don't know, experiencing birth or getting fired from a job or whatever. You 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 sign up for the experiences, and the people that attach themselves to those experiences are the people that we kind of probably ask. And I'll say probably in this instance because it feels like something that could be the truth, but I'm I haven't really had a chance to really think on it. You know, I want you to play this role in my life. I want you to play this role in my life. I want you to do this in my life. And, you know, when time comes around, I'll do the the same thing for you. <laughs> you know, you need to I need to experience this. Or I want to experience some of that over there. Or what does that right there feel like? What does that taste like? And then the people that we've been traveling with come in and slide in at that capacity and fulfill those obligations for us. And part of us getting caught into, you know, the lower aspect of self is not doing or fulfilling those contracts, but, you know, falling into the idea that we're 100% human 
and forgetting everything that we made before we came back into here and accepted this low vibration as the sum total of us and not went on with what our contractual obligation was in terms of what we came here to experience. So we find ourselves experiencing those things over and over and over until we deal with them, correct them, and move on. So do we have free will to choose? If we already have spiritual contracts before we get here, do we have the free will to choose once we get here what we are going through? Yeah, free will to choose. That's why, again, you know, if you sign on to get your ass whipped by some dude and you leave him and before you fulfill whatever obligation or understanding that was in terms of getting past that contractual obligation, you'll pick another dude and you'll find yourself in the same position over and over until you fulfill that obligation. You have free will to walk away from it. Absolutely. So the choice is when we learn the lesson. (laughs) We'll learn the lesson. We have to learn the lesson. So the choice right. that we have is when we learn the lesson. So it's right. you'll learn it now or you'll learn it later. You'll learn it the, right. you know, an easier right. way or you'll learn it a harder way. But Absolutely. that's where the, you that's always where have the free will comes walk away from from choice. Right. Right. But it's if you, you don't have, have free will if you haven't finished that away. if you haven't finished that contract, then you will be revisited by it. Absolutely. Absolutely, but you have the free will to walk away from that contract before it's, before all the terms are met, you know, and we find ourselves doing that all the time. You know, something gets too hard or something is too emotional or, you know, we'll walk away from that situation before we get whatever the, the final piece from the dynamic is is presenting to us. We'll abandon that exercise before it's over. And, again, you know, you'll find yourself within that same exercise again. And you still have the free will in the next ex- within the next exercise to walk away again, but it will follow you. So if, if we are experiencing patterns in our life and we're thinking, why do I keep going through this? Why do I keep having this? Why does this even happen to me? It's always so like I hear people say, it's always something. It's always it's not one thing or it's another. Why do I keep giving these people into my life? Um, it means that whatever your first experience was with that, you never fulfilled the contract. You never fully might have walked away from it because it got too tough or for whatever reason, but if you've never fulfilled the contract, then you're going to keep going through it until you do. Until you do. So you've got to go back and maybe not, you know, physically, if it's, you know, a dangerous situation or whatever. But somehow you have to go back and fulfill that contract. Right. And learn what you were supposed to learn before you can move on. Right. And and, and fulfilling that contract, I don't think it necessarily means you have to go back. I think you have to come to an understanding, even within your own mind's eye, if you can, if you're unable to go back physically, you can emotionally go back. Yeah. And revisit that entire situation and emotionally take, you know, whatever stance or whatever direction that you didn't go before. You can go that way within your emotion world or within your meditation, if you will, to kind of absolve that contract. I believe that. 
Let's talk about, there are definitely, uh, people can see patterns in their individual lives, but what about, like, family patterns? What about those generational curses? Carrying... I'm sorry? Like generational, generational curses, curses. Yeah, generational curses are things that, you know, just keep, you know, the family just car- kind of carries on from generation to generation and it just kind of keeps with the family, it keeps going through these cycles, um, and it, it appears to be, as some would call it, a generational curse. How, how does that link to spiritual contracts? I think I link to spiritual contracts in regard to, you know, for whatever reason, we keep falling back into the same sin of ignorance. We keep falling back into the same sin of, and it could be the collective, it could be the group as a whole failing to process and move on past whatever dynamic that, you know, we were just talking about individuals, not, you know, talking about individuals repeating over and over again. I think it becomes a group thing where the group itself becomes, you know, unwilling to deal with certain components, and those components keep revisiting themselves over and over and over again. I think as it does with individuals, it does with groups as well. Right. And it all all, comes from... I also think, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut your wisdom, but I also think that within the personal evolution, there's a group evolution as well. I think the group as elevates as each individual elevates, you know, and I think also think that within those groups, there's always at least one catalyst that brings everyone else along. Again, we've all, there's a side of every one of us that knows what's going on within this time and space here. But we still have to go through the process, and that's what we're doing. And I think as we go through the process, we have the opportunity and the obligation to lift those within our particular soul group, you know. But when we're all in the same dynamic and we're chasing the same tail, we find ourselves in the same cycle repetitively. And I think... Again, as we have an individual elevation or evolution, there's also a soul group evolution as well that that, that accompanies and sometimes supersedes or it's behind our individual evolution. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you can see, um, you know, that that whole generational curse thing can, you know, runs deep. And it basically is, and I would say, you know, like if you have, you know, a family where, you know, the children learn to be, you know, messy, quote-unquote messy, because their parents are messy. Um, and that has to do with, you know, is it, you know, spiritual bondage or some kind of bondage that was passed on from one generation to the other. And then those symptoms, whatever happens spiritually, eventually will manifest physically. So that's those generational curses in the families could be illnesses. Um, right. Well, one person to the next person to the next person to the next right. person to have, you know. Hypertension, high blood pressure. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Which is a lot of stuff that we have 
I mean, if you think about, and I don't, I don't necessarily believe all statistics, but if you think about, um, you know, black people have the highest rate of everything, right. <laughs> and it's reported. Right. And a lot of that, a lot of that, I don't necessarily believe that you can make statistics look however you want to, but a lot of that has to do with that spiritual bondage that we are still in that we keep passing down from generation to generation to generation because we won't deal with that. And I know in a lot of particular families when we don't we don't talk or communicate or, you know, really get out some of those shames and the things that we haven't forgiven ourselves for and we just keep covering it up and keep covering it up and keep throwing paint on, on our, you know, Balls trying to make them look better instead of you know keep current spraying perfume on yourself instead of taking a bath and you know actually getting clean. Yeah. Um, and you just yep you just you just thinking and thinking that everybody's fooled because you're spraying perfume on yourself. But a lot of that is because we're not dealing with it, and a lot of that has to do with um, those generational curses. And that can travel from lifetime to lifetime to lifetime. If you ever think about it, if you think about there are kids who come from the same family, who have the same environment, same parents, basically the same upbringing, and one of them, you know, turns out to be, you know, the what we would think of as the quintessential child. Is good grades and, and, you know, goes goes to school, you never have to worry about, you never have to tell the same thing twice, and then the other one is like an, an emotional mess crackhead in the gutter who doesn't want to make anything of his life. Well, a lot of that could be carried over from a past life experience. Absolutely. Because we are not here as, we don't come into this world as a clean slate. No. You want to think babies are just, you know, an empty slate and everything is nurture. Um, except for those things that, you know, we can arguably say are instinctual. But there are some things that you are, you know from the start. Kids come here and are very different. Even at a very young age, you can tell they have, you know, personalities and there are things that are very different. They're coming here with things because they're coming here with things that basically they are still trying to learn or deal with or let go of or release, um, right. which right. can explain, wow. you know, you think here. about people in your family who you're like, what? I, you know, there are people in my family, I'm like, where do these people come from? Where did you come from? Why are you acting like this? Where did you get this stuff from? There's no way we could have come from the same family and you picked up on this. They came here with this. Right. That's interesting, Nikki. Um, you know, when I was growing up, my sister was proclaimed the um, golden child, if you will, and I was looked at as the one that was more of a rebellious behavioral child. And it wasn't until about two years ago that my mother um, had to come back and apologize for not knowing how to deal with me or how to raise me or teach me um, because I was unconventional. And so a lot of things that I was teaching her and my sister and my sister's father, um, they're now looking at it like you were actually trying to teach us something and, and you were going against, you know, what's the brain was. 
I would challenge the education system. Like, this doesn't make Absolutely. any sense. I, I, I would be, I, I was like four years old. I taught myself how Absolutely. to write. Um, and I taught myself how to sing, and I taught myself different other artistic things. And um, my parents did not agree with that way of learning because they're just like, no, you need to go to math. You need to learn science. You need to learn this. You need to learn that. You need to learn this and this and this. And as my sister grew up and she started to realize what authenticity is, she had to come back and say, you know, you were right. You were right. You were teaching us all a lesson. And so I really think that there has to be a responsibility with with raising your children because what can be perceived as behavioral problems may not really be that. It could just be a different type of an expression or the child is is trying to find a a way to express what they're receiving because I remember being, you know, four and five years old just getting all this information and not knowing what to do with it. And, And I would go to my family and they would think that I'm crazy. You can't be this when you grow up. You can't be like that. And I had to learn how to outgrow the family pathology and the family curses of illnesses and um, mindsets and just just the limitations that we have on our spirits and fear. And it, 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 I still go that to this day. And it, it's sad, but, you know, uh, my mom and my sister get it now. So it's, it's it. Wow. You wow. need to be that catalyst. You're the you're the catalyst for your soul group. You're the you're the Christ for your soul group. You know, you are that 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 one that came to. Look, we've been doing the same thing. I'm gonna push the envelope a little bit. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna elevate past this. We've been in the same cycle in the same circle over and over and over again. So mm-hmm. you you've agreed and you're serving as that catalyst for your soul group. To forward that evol- that 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 clan elevation, you know, you are the crystal. And you know, <laughs> you are the thirteen. <laughs> no kidding. Right. And and you know, Brandon, with with that, um, are you are you the youngest? I am not the youngest. Um, I am my I am the oldest child with my mother and father, and I'm the oldest grandchild. So okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, I but will I, say I that. Do... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, but I, I do have um, other, you know, cousins and uh, people that were in my immediate upbringing that are older than me. So, yeah. Well, I will say that, it, it, and the reason why I ask is because with the whole, again, this goes into the whole 2012 thing, but with that, um, the thinking with the right brain versus left brain thinking and the world that we're in right now is the whole um, left brain thinking, everything's linear, everything's logical, everything's, you know, you know, basically the numbers, math, science, um, and we're moving more into the right brain creative age. Um, but with the, with the, with the schooling and one thing that society and everything that we've been learning and what we've been taught that is success is, well, first of all, all that quote-unquote creative, artsy stuff is just fun stuff. It has nothing to do with learning. So you learn what you're supposed to learn. You do the math and the science and the reading, and then you go have fun. When with this shift, it is the real work is being able to access that part of yourself that mm-hmm. is good with the creativity and the art. Um, and that will help you 
to understand the rest of it when we've been told that, no, that's just the fun stuff and it doesn't won't lead to anything and it won't help you be successful, when that is the wow. key that is going to help you be successful with everything else. Right. Um, because without, with, again, with that whole, with the cyclical um, patterns that we are in now, um, with the binary cycle and everything that's happening, you know, the whole planet is based, or the whole universe is based off of, you know, the binary codes and numbers and geometry. But in order to understand that, you have to be able to have access to the right side of your brain in order to get that. And right now we've been told that the people who are accessing the right side of their brain are the dreamers and the artsy fartsy people, and that equals irresponsibility. And now we're finally getting to the point where we realize how much we need that inventiveness in order to help us evolve to the next stage in our existence or to go from our childhood and existence to our adulthood in, in in our human existence. The universe itself, though, is a song. Everything about the universe is rhythm, and it's a song. You know, unity is one, and verse is song. Universe, The universe itself and the planet, each planet as they spin gives off a certain harmonic and a certain rhythm and a certain sound. So you coming in and loving to sing, and all of that, you're bringing those spiritual components into the physical, the physical matter. And of course, you know, if anybody who grew up in church, we've always heard that spirit, the spirit, things of the spirit, are seldom discerned by men or seldom discerned by matter. So, you coming into this time and space loving to sing and create and write, absolutely coming from that universal platform, bringing it into this reality. And, of course, it doesn't fit this reality of physical matter because we're trapped into this masculinity, this masculine aspect of of, of, of conquer, divide and conquer, and create creation and creativity and the feminine aspect of creativity has been all but ripped out of our existence. You know, they've gone through uh, careful measures. If you, you know, some of the Bible-believing uh, people still think, you know, that women have nothing to do with the Bible and she came from the rib of a man and all that. All of that stuff was taken out intentionally. That was intentional. You know, and again, what this shift, shift represents is a returning to that matriarchal perspective of creativity and unity and collaboration and and rhythm, you know, we're getting away from uh, uh, those hard aspects of divide, conquer, and 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 overall literal aspects and and what's the word I'm looking for? What's the word, Nikki? Linear logical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. Linear logical. Right. That's it. So you know, we're getting away from the. The age of where, you know, accountants and the tax attorney and, you know, the software engineers and, you know, the people who are, you know, what we would think of as 
the business people or the business school people, um, that's the world that we're moving out of. Right. And we're moving more into those, you know, free thinkers. Creative. Creative. Intuitive. More, you know, getting more into your intuitive spiritual mindset and being. And that sounds like that's what you were there to to basically get your soul group out of that comfort of feeling like this is if right. we follow A, B, C, and D, we will be safe. Right. So right. you go to school and you get you a nice job so that you can have a pension and you can right. retire at 65 and you'll live a nice, stable, comfortable life. How dare you want to, you know, sing and do art and dance and there's no future in that because it doesn't feel safe. So your your job was to come in and shake it up and say, get out of this comfort zone because it's not it's it's a you know, false sense of safety. Mm-hmm. And this is this is not where we are anymore. Nope. Everything's gone. Thank God. <laughs> and I commend your family for being able Number to recognize time, yeah. that and say, and they were right. able to come to you and say, you know, I'm, I'm you know, I, I see what you were trying to teach us now. Because a lot of people right. get to that point. So I commend right. your your family for being able to recognize that and say, you know what, I, I get it now. I get it. I get it. Exactly. Yeah. That is big. Yeah. That's huge. That's huge. That is huge. Yeah. Yeah, it was a few. It, uh, a few of them are still stuck and and still holding on to um, the fear of uncertainty. And right. you know, uh, when I told some of my family members, like, look, the, when June 2013 comes, I'm heading on a plane. I'm going to Europe and I'm going to India for the rest of the summer. I'm out. Wow. Everyone started to panic, and they were like, "Oh my God, what are we gonna do about work? What are we gonna do about this? What are we gonna?" Do? I'm like, "Oh my God!" Like, and and it just it kind of taught me that, um, you know, if, if I don't let everything go from material to all these comfort zones, they won't know what it looks like because I mean they just don't know. They 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 right. want to hold on to the old way of life, and and I I understand why. Um, and you know, hopefully they they make their uh, transition because <laughs> right. And they want they want you to they want you to adopt their fears basically because it makes them it kind of gives them reassurance that well if 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 he doesn't follow through on it and he doesn't go to India then I was right and so I don't have to change. But by you stepping out and not giving into that fear it makes them more responsible for being a, having to do it themselves. So as long as you don't do it, they don't have to face that responsibility. But if you right. do it, then they have to take a look at themselves and say, you know what, maybe I don't have the right answer. Maybe I do need to explore. Maybe I do need to pick this up and figure out why I'm so afraid and why I can't do it myself. So there's going to be a lot of resistance because right. it's easier just to stay stuck and stay in this little box where it's, might not be comfortable, but at least I know what to expect. Right. Yeah. And I would love to do what 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 you know people do when they just drop everything, but I'm too afraid to do it. So if I actually see someone do it, then it's going to hold me 
possible for myself. And so there's going to be a lot of resistance, definitely. Right. I have a question. True. Um, and it's it's referring back to 2012, uh, December 21st, the whole shift, and uh, the incident that took place today. So today's incident was just us becoming more aware, what's a statement and a question, um, becoming more aware of what, what kind of psyche the, the collective mind is working with at this present time. So if the people that are not willing to submit and make a, a choice on on hiring their vibration, becoming the, the spiritual person they need to be, et cetera, what does life look like for them? Does that mean more suffering? Does that mean more I mean, pain? Does that mean more slavery? I mean, what does that look like for that person? We actually, in a nutshell, again, we've we said this over and over again. There's only two emotions that the human being can experience, love and fear. What we're on the cusp of now is moving from that slower vibration of fear into that faster vibration of love. And moving into and moving away from fear, those who aren't able to move away from fear will be struck with supreme fear. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there there'll be a sense of loss, there'll be a sense of desperation, there'll be a sense of despair. You know, because you're still vibrating from that slow, low vibration when the planet and the universe itself is vibrating at a higher resonance, higher to that love vibration than it is that fear vibration. Those who aren't able to make that transition into that higher vibration of love will invariably feel more of what they feel now, which is fear, which is going to cause all kinds of crazy shit. You know what I'm saying? It's going to cause all kinds of crazy shit. That's the difference between now and moving on. It's the vibration. The vibration as it begins to increase we're moving further away from that slow fear vibration into that love vibration. And those who aren't able to resonate with the planet will succumb to whatever vibration that they find themselves in. That's about the long and short of it. And it's it's the feeling of, you know, a lot of people will will start experiencing this, you know, discomfort and not realize what it is or where it's coming from. And a lot of it is because they feel all of a sudden with the unfamiliar unfamiliarity of of the you know, raising of the vibration, it feels like a lack of control. And so that lack of control um kind of translates as well you know, it's the whole Fighting for your panic and it's fighting for your survival. Not realizing that Fear. if you just relax into it, it will raise right. you up too. And, right. But with the resistance, you get more uncomfortable and you panic more. And you and become more you panic, Your whole right, your your reaction is fight or flight. Right. And that's what that's what we're going through right now. Is all those that are resisting because they're not understanding. Right. They're going into that fight or flight mode. Right. Because they're and panicking, not understanding that if you just, if you just, you know, stop resisting, and you just relax and surrender, 
because you don't have any, there is no control because the whole, you know, vibrational plane, you don't have any control over that. It's going to raise. We're going to elevate. We're evolving. Um, You relax and you surrender into that, you will gain some understanding because your vibration will be raised as well. But you have to be aware of it in order to allow it. And those people who are not aware of it for various reasons, um, a lot of, you know, because the society tells you that, you know, that's what the, the whole, you know, there's a, a new term all the time about, you know, now this whole fiscal cliff thing, something is the thing that you're supposed to be afraid of now. The news puts on the scariest stories that they can find all over the world. And this is just like, you know, this whole thing with the shooting in Connecticut is like, you know, dropping candy in their lap. They're, they have something to report and to scare you with when, you know, especially in in Western society when it's all about keeping you scared and small and contained basically so that you will stay stuck in your stuff and get more stuff and buy stuff. And if you're getting away from that, there are people who are, like you said, you're willing, Brandon said, you're willing to walk away from all of your stuff and, you know, not give in to the, the fears of, what do you mean you're going to quit your job? The economy is terrible. You might not get another one. And there are 10 people waiting for your job, and you're just going to, you're just going to quit. All those people who have um, bought into all of that are the ones that are resisting and the ones that will suffer until they figure out why they're suffering. A lot of the times, 80% of the drama or the pain that people take on is not even theirs. It's not even theirs. We were watching the news the other day, and they had on the news where somebody crashed on the side of the road in Chicago, and we're in Colorado. Now, why do we need to know that somebody crashed on the side of the road in Chicago? Because they didn't have enough scary stories that day, so they had to import some. That are not, you know, just an everyday occurrence, happens all over the all over the United States all the time, but they had to put something in there to to keep you scared. Um, yes. And that's basically what, what TV does and movies and all in media, period. So if you look at the patterns in movies, they're either preparing you for something or trying to get you used to the idea of something before they drop it on you. Let, drop it on you. Yeah. Before they release that information. Yeah. So think about, you know, all the movies that are out now or coming out now. They all kind of, all seem to kind of follow the same kind of pattern at the same time to show you something so that they can get you used to something before they they drop it on you. Or so right. they, they can desensitize right. you to things. Or they can prepare the collective psyche to bring it all into one thought, to bring it to a, a, a right. manifestation, you know. And and one of the one of the gifts and the curses about the shift that's taking place is the quickening, and the rate of the amount of time or the rate in which something takes to manifest is happening much faster. So you know, think about the person who is you know operating from that fear perspective, and 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 totally operating from that perspective alone with their manifesting and bringing into the life versus that, versus that person who is operating from the higher vibration. You know, that's why I call it the gift and the curse. For those who 
aren't operating from that higher vibration. They're still inviting those thoughts into their life, but they're happy, they're going to happen much faster during this quickening. They're going to happen much faster to the point where, you know, you're thinking about something and it's manifesting almost, you know, days later or instantly. You know, so right. it's very vital at this time to raise your thoughts, raise your vibration, because either way, low vibration, high vibration, which the veil is thinning to the point where the spiritual and the and the material are are you know converging on one another. So if you're one of them calamitous persons, <laughs> you invite instant calamity in your life. You know, and I think today, with what happened in the news today, in China and here, is their understanding of that and them trying to, to maintain that fear-based perspective to bring on certain calamities because there's, there's, a higher, there's a higher science here going on in terms of them knowing how powerful the collective psyche is. That's why that movie, like, 2012 and all of that stuff came out, had people thinking about the end of the world and bringing on these catastrophic things. And if enough people start thinking in that way, absolutely, that's what's going to happen. So, you know, it's just another one of those games to try to keep everyone at bay, keep everyone fearful, keep everyone in that low-vibrating resonance of fear. You know, and it's time to come out of that. It's time to, it's time to elevate out of that. Right. So it's time to, you know, basically reclaim your power. <laughs> the greatest Absolutely. power that we have in this yeah. human existence is spirit and our ability to co-create and to manifest. And the people who are, um, you know, putting out the messages in the media, they know this, and that's why they're trying Absolutely. to do Absolutely. On a low vibration scale and... Um, yep. You know, keep us contained. Yeah. So everything, yeah. and that's you know, that's why it's, it's it's important to realize what you're exposing yourself to, and who you're exposing yourself to, and who you're around, and and to think critically. Um, you know, not to take anything for circumstance or happenstance or coincidence, um, but all of those things, how they are affecting you, and even. You know, we're talking about the whole, you know, energy thing and, you know, people in your life and even the people who, you know, help check your groceries at the grocery store or they haven't there in your life for a reason, but they also affect your your energy and your spirit. So if you are, you know, you talk to someone and all of a sudden you feel down or depressed or confused, you know, you have to think about what kind of energy did those people pass on to you because it might not be your energy. Um, and vice versa. And who do you surround yourself with? And who do you hang out with? Those people, that's all we are. We are energy. So we're constantly passing our energy back and forth to each other. And you leave your energy behind where you go places. So you could very well, you know, step in an elevator, step into someone's energy. Um, So that's why it's important to know yourself and to do the work that is necessary to know who you are and know what your baseline is and know where you start out. And that's where uh, meditation comes in 
and yoga and all the things that we work on to balance and center ourselves. Because if you don't balance and center yourself, you're basically at the whim of everybody you come in contact with. Exactly and they're right. just pulling and pushing all of your energy all day long, constantly, yep. back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And not knowing anything about the young man who did the shooting, um, but I would be willing to bet that, of course, he probably had absolutely no balance in his life and felt very pushed and pulled by whomever in the in the news and you know, they jump on the news so quickly they don't even bother to to get all the, the details or the facts, but apparently it was something with his mother or his family. Um and again we don't without knowing anything about him or what he was there to do, I'd be willing to bet there was absolutely no spiritual work or no balance in his Existence while he was here at all whatsoever. No. To be a, first of all, you can't be conscious and do something like that. So he was completely unconscious, which means he probably didn't do any work. Um, but that's that's what the the real issue is. It's not how could he do this, or what kind of person do this, or the you know the devil's busy, or all of the little catchphrases that you hear people say. But what contributed to the breakdown of this person? or the undevelopment of this person. He probably at 24 years old never probably even did anything to develop himself in the first place to even have a breakdown. You can't have a breakdown if you were never there in the first place. Um, And a lot of that has to do with social pressures and family pressures and all the things that he had with his particular soul group that he never picked up on or never learned. But then again, you also have to think about those people who he came in contact with again, with today. Was he part of their soul group? Right. Right. Hmm. That's interesting. That's interesting. Okay. That's great. So, you got to look at it. Look at it on that way too. Right. You see, it's, right. I mean, and you don't want to think about the purpose that he served in their life, but he served the purpose. Yeah. Yeah. He did. That's, that's a hard. That's a hard pill to swallow. It's a hard pill to swallow, but. From one perspective, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a very hard pill to swallow. And then also, not just from a first-hand experience, but everybody who. Right now, we're sitting here talking about it. So that the fact that we witnessed it, you know, secondhand or thirdhand, since we, you know, watched it on the news, um, you know, what was our purpose in learning right. that information and witnessing it the way that we did, and what is our lesson in that as well? Why am I? What is what is the purpose of me having this information? Right. And what am I supposed to do with it? Right. So that's like you know part of our you know national soul plan group because we're all right now on this vibrational wavelength because we're all kind of talking about the same thing at the same time. Right. So that brings us to an you know that brings us you know that that the soul family that much bigger. You know, it's, an, it's the national soul family. 
Absolutely. So, um, everybody right now is having, you know, this earthly experience. And we're all contributing to each other's earthly experience. So, therefore, in the broader group, we're all touching each other's lives. So, therefore, we are part, there is a soulmate relationship somewhere in there. Because we've attracted each other vibrationally. Right. Right. Everyone listening. Right. And everyone listening. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, it's a matter of being, when we experience things, we all, at this point, need to be growth-seeking beings. Um and not, you know, whenever we, we meet people, we know that they have some purpose or some role in our life, even if it's, it could be three minutes, it could be three years, it could be 30 years. Um, but if you are constantly seeking your opportunities to learn and to grow, you know that each one of those people, everybody and everything is placed in your path by you for a reason. Everything and everybody is you. We're all part right. of the all. Right. We're all the all. Right. You know? Absolutely. Those kids, that guy, is you having that experience? Those kids, are you having that experience? That newscaster, is you having that experience? And you, are you having that experience? We're all, all the same thing. We we ought to play on. We are one. <laughs> I mean, it's, we're all the same thing. You know, again, when I did the etymology on the word alone, it it it, it stems from the whole, from those two words, all one. It took one of the L's out. You know. We're all in this thing together. You hear that all the time. But everything, everything is connected. And we are all the same one thing. So every experience that everyone has, we all have it. We all have the experience. We all have that experience. It all adds adds to that collective accosta. So we're not separate from anybody inside that experience, outside that experience. It's all us. All of it. I think that's the worst thing that religion has done in terms of fragmenting our understanding of self. Is it created this idea that we're all separate and we're all individuals having these individual experiences. And that nothing can be further from the truth. Right. Or that there's, yeah, that there's any separation at all. Right. And that you have to work for your connection or to get back. Right. Um, into, you know, Back great, into the all. Races. Right. So, back you know, there's the never all. any separation. Yeah. And there's nothing you could do to ever separate yourself from yourself. No. Because you are yourself. Right. Right. And again, if you separate from the all, then the all is not the all. Right, exactly. It's the all and then y'all. <laughs> right. 
Either it, right, exactly. Either it is or it's not. You can't have it both ways. No, not at all. Not at all. Okay, let's see. Where are we? We've talked about a lot of stuff. It's been a very interesting conversation. I think we've covered (laughs) covered the the 2012 thing and, um, you know, the spiritual. I don't know what we decided about the spiritual contracts. I think we definitely have agreed that because we are eternal beings um, and this little container that we're in right now, it's, it's not even, it's a very, very, very small fraction of, of our whole entire being and who we are because we are we are all spirit and we are all human at the same time, um, that we we had to choose, we did choose to come here for a reason. So in that choice, in limiting ourselves and putting ourselves in this little container, um, we have chosen to forget a lot of things. So although now we don't have any concrete, tangible evidence of, you know, contracts or what those contracts entail or we took our parents or, you know, the people we chose to teach us certain lessons, um, I think by knowing knowing ourselves and being intuitive beings and knowing that we are here on earth but we are also, you know, also God, that we can know that, you know, the whole, there are agreements or there are spiritual contracts that were were made up before we decided to limit ourselves and come here for this experience. Um, you know, which makes me think a lot differently of, you know, when I, I think about, you know, death and tragedy and how I used to think of it and how I think of it now. You know, on on some scale, on some note, my human side, of course, is is very, you know, especially as as a parent, I I definitely can put myself into what all of those parents are experiencing right now, and you know, I can't even I can feel their pain when getting the phone call or trying to figure out, you know, where my kid is and I know that it's my kid's school and is my kid okay. Um, I definitely can empathize um, with those parents. And then my eternal spiritual side says there's there's no, the only loss is the physical loss in this realm at this time. But since we are eternal and we are part of the same soul clan, I know that those children are okay. Absolutely. And they've just returned returned to their true self. Absolutely. So we cry for the loss of those kids being yanked from our lives but we are happy and relieved that they're their true selves again. Right. Right. Absolutely. So, you know, it's 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 conflicting in our limited capabilities and our you know, we're only looking through a very small pinhole um at the whole picture. So it makes it very 
conflicting because we only have a very, very small piece of the puzzle. But in knowing our eternal and spiritual side, that that's where they that's where they are now, and they're okay, and they're fine. So we celebrate the time and, and be grateful for the time that we had um, during this incarnation and knowing that there will be more. And like you said, they might be on their way back oh, yeah. right now. E&D, baby. Mm-hmm. And the never <laughs> dies. Right. Cannot be created right. nor destroyed. Cannot be created nor destroyed. Absolutely. So with, with that, I want to talk more about the whole... What we, we tend to, to think of as, let me get back to the, the whole uh, soulmate and the question that we had come in. And I, I think we've been talking about soulmates since we haven't gotten away from it. But, um, you know, the question says, you know, why do so many people search endlessly for their, quote, soulmate, meaning their one true love in hopes of finding they we read it exactly how it says, why do so many of us search endlessly for the one true love in the hope of finding our soulmate? And I assume that the person who's asking the question is thinking that soulmate means what we traditionally think of kind of in the romantic movie soulmate as the one person who was meant and created just for you type of person. Um, why do you think, what is, the, what is the disconnect that people think that I have to go on this endless search for, you know, this one true love, and I know that, you know, there are people who are constantly thinking every person that they meet, is this the one, is this the one, is this the one, is this the one? Maybe this is finally the person. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that, just kind of with my experience, when people are looking for their one true love versus all the ones that were not necessarily their true love is the whole idea of acceptance. Somebody who is going to love me for me, somebody who is going to love me unconditionally. And what that really turns out to be is your whole self-acceptance because if you're, you cannot attract what you're not. So you have to be what you want to attract. So if you're not completely accepting of yourself, then you're sending out vibrations. Again, where it's all energy, it's all vibration. You're sending out vibrations that are saying, um, I'm not totally accepting of me. I don't like everything about me. So you're going to attract someone who's not going to, who's basically going to mirror you. So... Those who are looking for that one true love, basically you have to be that one true love to yourself and grow to accept yourself. And then you can attract that from another. But until you become the love of your life, yourself, you are not going to attract the love of your life. Absolutely. 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 You know, and and I think we talked about that on an earlier show. Most people, you know, go hunting for their soulmate as a form of completion, you know, a, a, a validation of themselves. Let me complete myself and let me find someone outside of myself that is able to prop up 
those atrophied aspects of me, those a person that's able to lend validity to those aspects of me that I can't find within myself, and it becomes that that hunt for someone to substantiate yourself. And like you said, you can't find someone to complete you. You must complete you. And once you find that you are a more complete you, you'll find that complementary aspect that is as, as complete as you are. And that both of you can build from there. You can't build from the depth. You're just exactly. chasing, chasing bodies for the rest of your life. Exactly. You know, that's actually... Go ahead. I was just going to say that that is actually interesting that um, you guys bring that up so far as being the love of your life. There was a time in my life, this was like about a year ago, um, I was actually in a relationship where I, and, and my spouse at the time was significantly older than I was, so I looked at that person as, they needed to fulfill my void so far as just loving me, giving me affection, and all those things. And it wasn't until that relationship came to an end that I realized how empty I was seeking for romance and affection. And um, I can see now the transformation in a lot of my relationships within myself and the people that, you know, are around me that are still looking for someone to fill that 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 space inside of them, their four-year-old little girl or four-year-old little boy is screaming for someone to love them. Um, And for me, it did not start until I started to love myself enough to realize, yes, I am enough. I I am God in a human experience. And to some people, they're just going to be like, oh, that's the most ignorant thing you said. But you have to be there to understand that, you know, you are the infinite in human form and you are enough. Absolutely. And a lot of people are afraid to say that. A lot of people are afraid to, um, you know, get, be vulnerable enough and to get naked enough to be able to, first of all, be able to say that. Um, Because being able to say that means that you have worked through any guilt, any shame, any shadows, any secrets that you may have that you've spent a whole lifetime trying to hide up, hiding and running and lying and doing everything you can to try to keep it from seeing the light of day. And if you weren't able to say that, it means that you have looked at it and confronted it and said, you're not bigger than me. And a lot of people won't do that. For you to be able to say that, with the ease that you just said that. Some people will never, ever, 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 ever be able to say that because they can't even sit with themselves long enough to be able to to let that rise in the forefront of their mind because so they won't sit still, they won't meditate, they won't be alone. Um, they, they will keep the distraction after distraction after distraction and a lot of times they use relationships as that distraction. So they will get someone who is going to, you validate me. You feel my needs. You tell me I'm important. You give me reassurance constantly. And it becomes so demanding that whoever they're with cannot possibly hold up to those 
expectations. So they end up leaving or running. And then you hear people who are, you know, constantly saying, well, you know, why can't I be in a relationship or why can't I find love or why does it always end this way? And Mm -hmm. it's always, but they will never look at themselves and say, what have I done to contribute to this or what have I done to cause this? Because that means having to look closely enough at themselves to realize, I can't, I'm, to realize that all those things that they've convinced themselves to make them an awful person to the point where they can't look at themselves, I couldn't possibly be God because God cannot be this ugly. God cannot be this messy. God cannot be this shameful. So So you you invariably become your own worst enemy. Exactly. You you become your enemy. So anybody who, so you're your own worst enemy and you don't, you don't love yourself. You're basically not going to have respect for anybody who comes into your life and says, "Well, I love you, and I right. love you unconditionally." Because how the hell can you love me unconditionally when I'm in this sick, twisted mess? Right. So what's wrong with you? Right. So they're not going to so, love themselves. Then uh, they they can't accept it. So they're going to do what they can to convince you that they're a sick, twisted mess. Yeah. You're going to prove yourself right. At whatever cost. Hmm. Yep. So that's so, what I'm ready to uh, Do you guys think that that is the plague um, for Christianity plague as we know it? Like, um, because I, I have found that um, a lot of Christian... Any, for any Christians that are listening out there, no offense, but I'm just speaking, honestly. <laughs> um, I don't want any That's why we're here. That's why we're here. You know, but I, I find that they, they live inferior to their higher selves, and they, they put themselves behind another human being. Like, they, they view themselves as holy um, based off someone else's divinity, and I think that that's very scary. And it's, it's almost like you know, I I know people. Um, we all know people that live by that fear, and they look at they look at well, you know people that are enlightened or, or becoming more enlightened. They look at us like we're crazy, or that you know we have some type of of issue because, you know, you're you're ignorant for believing that you are God. But right. it's like, am I supposed to play small because I'm I'm afraid of, of going to what you call hell? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean they they that's what you're taught coming in the door. I mean the first thing you you get when you strip yourself when you align yourself with that philosophy or that theology, you're stripped naked. You're told that you ain't nothing. You're dirt. You were born of sin. You're absolutely nothing. You're scum. So you operate from that premise and that premise alone, and it tells you that the only way that you are something is through the vicarious atonement of someone else. You, on your own, have nothing to do with your own salvation, if you will. You have nothing to do with your own life. As a matter of fact, if you don't accept this 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 atonement, then you're damned, you know. So yeah, you're 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 set up from the door. You're set up from the door. You are your worst, your own worst enemy. 
And it's funny because, you know, any 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 doctrine that you hear and when you hear the preachers on T V or in your own church, they say that they're operating from a perspective of love. But there's nothing loving about that. It's it's fear. It's all fear. Okay. I'm gonna interrupt for just a second. Because we are about to go into the after hours of the show. Um so if you're listening online on the computer Thank you for joining us. We will be. You can listen to the rest of the show. You can call in. Or you can no, 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 I'll probably lose the phone. Oh, no, no, you're right, you're right. No, 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 you're right, you're right, keep going. You can listen um, in the the archives. We're on iTunes. So thank you for calling, but we're staying on the line. All right. Now we're recording. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, get what I'm saying. Yeah, it's all fear-based. It's all based in fear. It's rooted in fear. And that's why, you know, as we move into this shift and we're talking about moving into a love dynamic, they're the last people to even get on board because they've been sold this bill of goods that they're operating from this complete love. God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son. And everything that they say has love, you know, the love language, but it's all rooted in in fear. It's in fear of inferiority. It's in fear of... Of, of everything around you that you have to align yourself with the baddest dude on the block or the other guy going to get you, you know. But again. Well, and then the whole thing about, you know, you don't have a chance because you were born a dirty rag because you were born into original sin. Right. So you all are already in a deficit when right. you're born. So right. then you have to crawl out of that deficit. And then right. you have to know that there is someone else that is greater than you on very on many different levels. Not right. only, you know, and then Jesus died for you, so you need to be eternally grateful because you are eternally in debt to that because look what right. he did for you and you're a nobody. Right. You are, you know, already a you know, dirty dirty rag born in sin, so then you're under that umbrella of shame. Right. And then you have to listen to someone else interpret all of this information for you because you don't know it you yourself. are incapable of knowing yeah, and learning you're it yourself. Right, right. So you so just everybody. Someone else win. has you... to interpret all this information for you and to teach you about how to relate and talk to God because you right. can't do it yourself because you're right. flawed and you were not. Right chosen so there yeah. are so so then you have to be changeful because of that yeah. and being humble means that you don't take credit or try to be you know bigger than your quote unquote given place ever because yeah. you have to be humble and you don't want to you know take credit or you know think you're bigger than anyone else so there are several aspects of religion that, you know, try to keep you small. And it doesn't mean that, you know, and, and people are where they are. So I don't want to, yeah. I don't yeah. want to, you know, be insulting necessarily or belittle anyone's journey. No, people are where they're about. supposed to be. But right. just like I don't want to try to say that you're wrong, I don't want them to try to say that I'm wrong for where I am on my journey. And if this is what I feel and I have stepped, you know, playing small doesn't help anyone. The whole Marianne Williams quote where it says, you playing small does not serve the world. And for you to play small so that other people feel comfortable 
is, you know, creating another deficit. Absolutely. Um, so, Absolutely. But so, you, know, you know what the real frustrating part is? Everything, every the majority of the stuff that we're talking about on this program, this is the part that really pisses me off in, in terms of Christians. And I can go here because I was once a Christian. I'm not somebody who is on the outside looking in. Everything that we talk about in terms of reincarnation and in terms of the different ages, the 26,000-year cycle, uh, um, the procession of the equinoxes, and all of that stuff is in the Bible. It's in the Bible. This is not like some shit that we're pulling out of our ass. It's in the Bible. It, it you know it talks it goes through four different ages in the Bible the Taurus age the age of Aries the age of Pisces and the last one is the Aquarian age it's in the Bible it's codified but it's in there right, <laughs> right. you know what I'm saying so right. for somebody to say y'all crazy where y'all getting this stuff from well I can honestly say from the Bible you know what I'm saying I can honestly say that and I can show you where I got it from. And the, I think the right. sad part about it is that we've, we've atrophied and declined so much that we take these stories and, and, and these astrological observances and we, we personify these as actual events that happened in time and space. And we miss well, the whole, and because we miss the whole of the thing. Time, I know the time that I you know, was in church and going to church and trying to get deeper in the church, for me to read, first of all, for me to read, most most Christians do not read the book, <laughs> read or follow the Bible. They wait for somebody to tell them what it says. Or they might read it in pieces or increments or, you know, turn to verse, you know, Mark you know, 12, verse 22 through 38, and that's all that they're reading. Right. Um, so, it's, you know, the bits and pieces allow you to interpret that according to whatever your specific topic is at that time. And then, you know, next time you can read the same exact verses and it might mean something else. So nobody's going to read it in its entirety and because it's been translated and translated and translated and translated and retranslated and we know that there are, you know, mistranslations and, right. and you know, deliberate forgeries and contradictions and errors and all right. kind of stuff that you you can't use it for, you know, literal no. meanings. No. And that's what no. most of the time they want to teach you to do. It's literal meanings. And, of course, there's no. nothing literal. It's all hidden code and metaphoric. And that's how you're right. supposed to look and at you, it. You know, you know what, do you know what most of it's talking about? When it's, especially when it's using the number 7 and the number 12. Of course, the number 12 is talking about the 12 astrological signs of zodiac. But the 7 is talking about the planet. It's, uh, a revelation, Revelations is talking about the planet and their, their effects on this planet. It's really deep. When you really get into it and you pull it apart for what it is, first you've got to understand that there is there was a time before the Bible was put together. The, the earth and mankind isn't 6,000 years old. First of all, we got to get the timeline together. You know what I'm saying? None of this, this, there are civilizations that lasted 6,000 years, and those civilizations date back as far as 90 
for some of them a hundred thousand years ago. And a lot of the writings, again, that we were talking about earlier, in ancient Kemet or Egypt, when they began to decline, when their DNA began to decline, and they noticed that they weren't remembering or recalling as much as they did, they started putting stuff down in stone, and it's still there. And that's why every every government in this world, every major government, observed ancient Egypt. If you go to Washington D.C., Washington D.C. is nothing but Kemet. It's Egypt. The architecture, the White House itself is based on the Egyptian philosophy. The obelisk, the, the the Washington Monument, which are everywhere, even in the Vatican, some from Egypt. They didn't. They weren't just fascinated with their decor and the way that they made buildings. Everything that they observed, everything that we observe from the Bible, comes from that era and that time, which precedes the Bible by tens of thousands of years. Tens of thousands of years. So, you know, for us to say that the Bible is the inerrant word of God is, you know, as someone once put, intellectually laughable. <laughs> intellectually laughable. <laughs> okay, and we are, this is, you know, we could probably talk about this for another two hours, which means we probably will have a show on this. If anybody yeah, is interested, yeah. look for the future show on, you know, the Bible. We could, we could, oh, we could. But I am, yeah, I think we'll probably, probably have to. Um, I am going to, we are about 10 minutes into after hours of the show, which will be in the archives for anyone who is on the line and, and wants to listen to this part again. Um, so, But I am going to close out the show so everyone can get on with their night. I want to thank our panel. Um, we lost panel. Candace. She hung up about an hour ago. She's pregnant and tired of here. And but I want to thank um Brandon and Keithan and Jay who is still on the phone. Thanks for joining hey, us. Hey, you didn't bang on she didn't hang up on you this time. I know, I didn't hang up on you this time. Um so um thank you everybody. And this was a yeah, great show. I can't wait to re listen to it. Yeah. Yeah, so that will be a future show. So keep yeah. anybody who wants to to listen in or join us, um, just kind of keep keep in tune. And if you are listening, we are on iTunes. So subscribe to us on iTunes, and then you will know when all the new shows come in. If you are not able to listen live, um, so thank you again very much, and we will um, see you next time. So peace see out. See you next time. And, you know, peace. Keep growing. Peace. Bye.